Okay, it looks like everyone has exited for the classes. So at this time, our first message will be brought to us by Mr. Art Williams. It is entitled, Faith, Form, or Function? Thank you, Sean. It's been quite a week. For you, on, for you on the internet, maybe not around Tulsa area, we were plagued with tornadoes, heavy rains, lakes overflowing, rivers overflowing, dams not holding all their water, trees coming down, people's needing, people needing rescued even by airboats that you normally see down in Florida or someplace. Uh, quite difficult to deal with. Anybody here? suffer any damage or anybody here have to be rescued or anything? Any water in your... Nobody here? That's good. But it's, an, it's a time to test your faith. It's time to use your faith. I'm going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to tell you a couple stories. One's going to be scriptural and one's not going to be scriptural. It's going to be real. And after I relate to you the one that was real, I'd like to have your participation in it for your opinion because it has to do with faith and how we look at faith. Faith can be in a form, can be ritualistic, or it can be functional. And even in functional, it might turn out to be, in the end, a form. Society, the way it evolves and becomes, can cause us to actually ourselves, because we have been following this way, for it to become nothing more than a habit. And it's not from the heart. And we form expectations I know in, in my own life, if I might digress a little bit, I, when I was young, I think I, in some ways I had more faith in things than I do now, maybe because I was a little reckless. Maybe I was a little careless. I don't know if I was proud about it. I'm of God. Nothing can happen to me. I don't think I had that attitude. Have you ever experienced that? Have any experience that you, you, in retrospect, you look back and say, you know, maybe I had too much faith. Maybe I was kind of reckless on that. But the thing about it was, you know, you, you, you walk through something like that and you come out on, on scathe and you think, I'm as good as Paul, you know. <laughs> maybe not quite that far. But it really voids your confidence. And then I get older and I'm like, where is that tornado heading? When I was younger, I had absolutely no fear of tornadoes and hurricanes. It's just like, he's going to protect me. Now I'm older, it's like, I think I'll watch that one. What form does your faith take place in your life? When do you apply faith? Do we use faith as a 
perhaps a last minute life preserver, life vest. Well, just in case the boat goes over, I think I'll put this on. I already prayed that he's going to see me through this safely, but just in case. We use faith as a shotgun approach to cover all the bases, just in case. Or do we have higher expectations? It's a complicated subject, I think, because Jesus being stressed in his prayer to the Father before his crucifixion said, let this cup pass from me, and he followed it right up with, let thy will be done. And it's kind of the same thing. It's kind of the same thing. Having faith, relying on him, And in that, we have our own perspective. And he may have another perspective. I may be looking to save myself so I get my canoe out and I'm all ready to go when the floodwaters hit and they hit. But his real purpose is to have me save my neighbor that's over three blocks that's in worse shape than I am. Many years ago, we had when I was working, we had uh, planned a canoe adventure after work at one of the lakes at the Forest Preserve. So I loaded up my canoe on top of the truck. After work, we all piled out, and the other guys got their canoes, and I got my canoes, and it started to rain. It was a light rain, and it was cloudy. But we went canoeing in the rain. As long as the canoes don't fill up with water, we're, we're, we're good, you know. And we, we paddled around out there having a good time until it was just about dark and loaded up the canoes and went on home. And I thought to myself, boy, it's late. I feel like leaving the canoe on the top of the truck. If I do that, I have to leave the truck out, though. I'll, I'll take the canoe off and put, it in the, and put the truck in the garage. Well, that night, overnight, it rained over nine inches. And the next morning I got up, I kind of had wished I had left the canoe on the truck. But I figure I'll try to get into work. And I got about halfway into work, and there was a stream there, and it would never overflow. If you ask the people around Chicago, oh, that, that stream never overflows. It's called Salt Creek. It was on Devon Avenue. I got down there, and there was a school bus with water up above its headlights, stalled out right where the stream was. I said, well, this isn't going to work. And Salt Creek lies between me and my destination. I'm going back home. I went back home. I tried to call him to work. Nobody was answering phones or they weren't ringing or whatever. So I stayed at home for about three hours, four hours, and I called in again, and I got through on the phone. And the one person says, yeah, there's four of us here that came in really, really early, and we would like to get out of here. <laughs> there's water surrounding us. I said, well, I'll, let me try a different route. If I can get across Salt Creek, if I can get in with the truck, I'll get you guys. I looked at the map, I studied it, looked at the high ground. Because what had happened, I found out later, with Salt Creek, they had built so much new construction up north that all that water gathered in up north and then came down and then overflowed the banks. But anyway, I got in, I picked them up, and I delivered them back to their home safely, and I got back home myself safely. And there's no right or wrong intended in my message today. If, 
It's more an evaluation of how we apply faith or perhaps fail to apply faith. I want to start with an event with Jesus, and it relates to faith. It's Mark 16, 9 through 20. I guess I'll start at verse 9. I'll read the whole thing just to get a good context. Now, when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he cast seven devils. And she went and told them that had been with him as they mourned and wept. And they, when they heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, did not believe. Did not believe her. Maybe that was the... Some, you know, what the women protest today. Men don't believe when women tell them something. Ah, she's just a woman. What is she? she can't be right. After that, he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it unto the residue, and neither believed they them. Afterwards, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and upbraided them for their unbelief and their hardness of heart because they did not believe them that had seen him after he had risen. Jumping down. So that's, you know, that, that's part of the development of faith, part of growing in faith, is receiving that correction. Knowing, knowing when to believe and maybe knowing when not to believe. But I want to ju- jump down to verse 18 because it comes into play in the story that I'm going to tell a little bit later. Now, no, let's start in 17, 17. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up servants, pick them up in their hands. Okay? And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands upon the sick and they shall recover. And so then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth preaching everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. What do you think Jesus' opinion is of your faith, of the application of your faith, when and how you use it? Or is your faith more form and not function? Does it take a secondary position when things don't work out as we or you expect those things to work out? Do you see perhaps a side tertiary benefit that worked out as a result of your faith, even though you think that perhaps it wasn't answered or that it failed? I mentioned earlier about going overboard with faith into the realm of careless recklessness or disregard for one's own future or perhaps that of others too. So it's a balance. The form of faith, going through the motions, rituals, understanding the word versus having it in your heart. I hope to cover the influence that society has that can cause us to very subtlety subtly have intrusions of form take over our functionality of faith. 
and we would not recognize it. The difference between form and function, I think, is quite obvious. We all know it. Function has to do with the situations you're in and the applications. It's live. It's from the heart. It's dynamic. It's doing. And it's, it involves prayer. It involves inviting him into the activities that you're experiencing. The opinions that you formulate. And what you do with those opinions. Paul speaks of the form of godliness, denying the power thereof in 2 Timothy 3.5. He says, having a form of godliness but denying the power <coughs> excuse me, thereof and from such people turn away. There's power in prayer, there's power in faith. For us older people, it's our age that may be the biggest danger, make things become a habit. Not from the heart. It's something that we go through, like getting up in the morning. And money. Money is another adversary to a certain degree. We'll reference the scripture here a little later on that. And part of that, too, is that he expects us to do for ourselves the things that we are able. This relates to our recent weather. Jesus was in the in the boat with his disciples, Matthew 8, 23 through 27. Now when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him, and suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea, so that the boat was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. Then the, temple, the disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're perishing. But he said to them, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose, rebuked the wind and the sea, and there was great calm. So the men marveled, saying, who can this be that even the wind and sea obey him? Wow. Now, if we put that in today's context, first thing we do is run for the life vest. They didn't have life. See, things are different. They didn't have life vests. They didn't have a powered vehicle that they could turn the speed of the boat up and head for, head for shore real quick. But when we, if we were in this situation, would we pray and believe that he would also save us and rescue us from the waves that are coming in over the boat? Trust, confidence, life vest, or prayer, nervous shaking and sweating, or confidence. But the real story was the centerpiece of my message today is the next event. And I'm going to read the scripture, a scriptural experience. And then I'm going to re relate to you a personal experience of, a, of an individual that I know. And I like your comments on it, if you have any. Acts 28, verses 1 through 6. Now, when they had escaped, they found out that the island was called Malta. And the natives showed us unusual kindness. 
for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. A viper, snake, came out and bit him. And right now that's one of the risks of going out and being in the floodwaters. The floodwaters are not something you want to be going out and wading around with. They're, they're polluted with not only sewage from septic tanks and um, contaminated with herbicides and pesticides, but they also have predators like water moccasins in them. So when the natives saw the creature hanging on from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer whom, though he had escaped the sea, yet justice has not allowed him to live. Yes, he's going to get his. But Paul shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. No harm. His arm didn't swell. It didn't turn black. However, they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they had looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said he was a god. So there you go. You know, <laughs> one side of the coin to the other. You know, no balance. <laughs> Very human to, dis- to, do, to do that. Um, but now I want to get to my story. And this is a real event that happened. Happened out by Locust Grove. It didn't happen on Monday and Tuesday of this week with all the tornadoes and winds that we had. It happened a week before that with some of the winds. A tree came down on the house of a widow and it was a metal roof. And before anything could be done, before power could get back on the house or anything, they needed to get that tree off and clean up around it. And so being a member of her church, her ch- when her church brethren heard about it, they put together a work crew to go out and clean up that tree. And they were working around this tree, and they had been for, I don't know, a half hour, 45 minutes. Nobody expected anything was wrong or anything bad was going to happen. And this one guy, we'll call him Mr. X, walks by this one area of the tree that he had already walked by probably a half a dozen times, and the water moccasin right out, nails him in his right hand. Water moccasin. He tried, just like Paul, he tried to shake it off. It wouldn't let go. He grabs it with his left hand, rips it off, and throws it down. His friends say, come on, we've got to get you to the hospital. You know what he said? I can't be hurt by deadly things. That snake's going to die. I'm not going to die. Whoa. Now, that's about the last thing for my, you know, that's the different kind of faith from what I have. You know, I would have been, yeah, get me to the hospital. But you know, things are different. Paul didn't have 911. Paul didn't have ambulances. Paul didn't have a hospital. Now today we have hospitals, we have Life Flight, we have 911. I would have said, yeah, call me 911, get me a Life Flight, get me to the hospital, whatever. He wouldn't go. He would not go. And he didn't go. For five days, he didn't go. His arm swelled up. Unlike Paul, his arm swelled up, and it turned black. And he went to the hospital. 
The doctor said, you've got the venom throughout your body, even in your heart. Why did you wait five days? question that I have was Mr. X's response to the situation correct in the application of faith or since mankind has the ability to deal with snake bite should he have just gone to the hospital any opinions any opinions anybody like to comment <laughs> Nobody wants to venture on that one. Tough question, isn't it? Tough question. Mr. X is alive and well today. The swelling went down and the black went away. So the next question that I have for you is, have I been tainted by society to not use my faith in that situation? Because I would have gone to the hospital. And he didn't. In fact, he said not only would he not die, the snake would die. Now, I don't know if the snake ever did. He's probably... <laughs> but that quite, is quite a, a story of faith. Situations are different. Man's capabilities are different. But it illustrates how we can have our faith eroded by man's ability. But there were some differences here. Paul's arm didn't swell up. It didn't turn black. Mr. X's did. What do you think? you think he handled it right? you think his level of faith? you think... You think you would have handled it the same way? No comment. Nobody wants to comment. I don't blame you. I, oh, there's one. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It was an educational experience. And he put it all on the line. He literally could have died. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anybody else? Mark? No? Oh, just, just a bottle of water there, huh? <laughs> Matthew? Right, that's exactly right. It's not one or the other. It's more of a personal thing and even a learning experience for him. And it also demonstrates his faith that he had. And he handled it the way he wanted to handle it. And it, it worked out all right. Uh, he suffered a little bit with some swelling and probably a little pain and, and a little blackness on the arm. But it's a learning experience. And that, that's really what I was driving at. That it, There's no hard or fast answer to it. It's a learning experience. Part of learning about faith. In Ecclesiastes 10.19, 
It says a feast is made for laughter and wine makes merry. But money answers everything. Money answers everything. I think it was Barnabas who a few years ago, I think he had a neighbor who had a snake bite. It was a few tens of thousands of dollars to get the venom or something like that. I think he, he told me years ago. It was not cheap to get the anti-venom for a snake bite. But God doesn't need money. <clears throat> he may influence people to supply money and give money and touch their hearts, but he doesn't need the money. But things in the realm of faith can end up with a really bad hair day. Acts 14, 4 through 20. You talk about a good thing going bad. But the multitude, of, this is the Apostle Paul, but the multitude of the city was divided, part sided with the Jews and part with the apostles. And a violent attempt was made by both the Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to abuse and stone them. They became aware of it and they fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia, and to the surrounding region. And they were preaching the gospel there. And in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb, who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking. Paul observing him intently and seeing that he had the faith to be healed. He had the faith to be healed. He had a functional faith. And said with a loud voice, Stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped up and walked. Now here we go. Now when the people saw what Paul had done, they raised their voices saying, in the Lyconian language, the gods have down, come down to us in the likeness of men. And Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermas because he was the chief speaker. Then the priest of Zeus, whose temple was in front of their city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates intending to sacrifice with the multitudes. When the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard this, they tore their clothing and ran in, in among the multitudes, crying out and saying, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men with the same nature as you and preach to you that you turn from these useless things to the living God who made the heaven and earth and the sea and all the things that are in them. By who in bygone generations allowed all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he did not leave himself without witness in that he did good, gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, fulfilling our hearts with food and gladness. And with these sayings, they could scarcely restrain the multitudes from sacrificing to them. There they go. From the one extreme to the other. You know, one side of the coin to the other side of the coin. Instead of learning functionally about the truth of faith, go to the form of faith. Then Jews from Antioch and Lyconium came there and having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. Wow, there's a gratitude for you. Paul suffered a lot in 1 Corinthians 4.11. To the present hour we both, this is Paul speaking, to the present hour we both hunger and thirst. 
and we are poorly clothed and beaten and homeless. Continuing in 2 Corinthians 11.27, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and in thirst, in fasting often, in cold and nakedness. We don't know what happened to that man that Paul healed on that day. He stood up and for the first time in his life was able to walk. Perhaps he became a believer. We don't know how many people silently observed that event and had their lives changed because of it. In conclusion, our faith is an integral part of our lives. We shouldn't take it for granted, whereby we miss opportunities. We shouldn't use it necessarily as a safety net backup plan either. He works with us to guide us, teach us, to mold us into the creatures that he wants us to be for his eternal purpose. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 4 through 9, I'll close with this. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fades not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than gold, that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found on praise and honor and glory at the appearance of Jesus Christ. To have that attitude that was just conveyed to us in verse 7 and have that cognizant in our mind given to us through the motivation of the Holy Spirit. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm going to read that again. That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than the gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love, and whom, though now you see him not, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls.